I'm not alone, I'm not with Remy, but actually I am with Ingrid because today, you know, we'll talk about uh, NFT and regulation, NFT law, and uh, so we have the chance to have Ingrid. Uh, how are you, Ingrid? Fine, fine. I'm very, very excited about uh, this podcast and I'm really, really Why, why are you guest. excited? Can you tell, him, tell him more why you're excited? Well, because we have a special guest with a lawyer and is going to speak about the Yuga Labs uh, trials, the current trials in California, I think. And this is a very, very interesting law uh, issues that we are going to speak about. And this is the first time that in a French podcast, we have the chance to invite a very experienced lawyer and a very good speaker and uh, very, very interesting. Okay, so please go ahead. Who is it? <laughs> well, Enric Koschefer, uh, you are an experienced lawyer in IP, digital and entertainment law, and of course uh, for web emerging US rules. Um, you're also the founder of Transverse Law Office, maybe you're going to speak about. And thank you for joining, of course, the uh, special NFT morning. Um, oh. Yes. Yeah, thanks for having me here today, you guys, and appreciate the opportunity to, to speak and to speak to an international audience. It's always interesting to to notice the differences in the way different jurisdictions handle different issues. And of course, in the U.S., we are litigation happy, so we've got a lot of issues to talk about. Yes, so, so you agreed to describe and analyze for us the Yugilab's current trials. This is a, a very uh, new subject for NFT Morning because we are not used to speak about trials because in France, there are not so much trials, especially about NFTs or art NFTs. And uh, I'd like you, I thank you, uh, you agree to describe and analyze for us the Yugelep's current trials, and there are many, uh, many of ones. Um, so the first trial I, we want to speak about is the Yugelep trial against Ritterips. This is a very strange uh, trial uh, lawsuit because my first question is what's about this uh, lawsuit? Uh, we heard about a suprematist uh, conspiracy um, about um, some uh, Um, Nazi um, in, uh, 
unlazy uh, propaganda or something like that about the border ape design. So can you give me, can you give us some details about that? Sure. So, yeah, the first, the first lawsuit that, that Yuga is involved in is one that Yuga Labs brought against a variety of different people, but most, mostly against Ryder Rips, who's an appropriation artist who's uh, got a long history of, of doing controversial things. And the, the fact that Yuga Labs brought the lawsuit is, is really interesting because it puts a lot of intellectual property issues really at the forefront of the case. So, for instance, can you have a trademark in an NFT when an NFT is just a piece of code that goes on the blockchain? Can Yuga Labs have any trademarks related to NFTs? They did not bring a lawsuit for copyright infringement for using the board ape images, which is interesting because you would have thought that would have been the very first and most primary claim that they would have brought. And then, of course, you've got this crazy part of the case, which is that the appropriation art that Ryder Rips uh used, which is basically appropriation art, is when you, you take someone's literal trademarks and copyrights exactly as they are, and you appropriate them as art in order to make a statement. And the statement that Ryder Rips was trying to make was that the, uh, the, the founders of Yuga Labs were allegedly, um, you know, uh, Nazi-sympathizing racists. And the allegation that Ryder Rips was making, it, it was essentially, you know, people are buying all these bored apes without realizing that they're being trolled as, like, stooges as, as part of a big, um, you know, uh, Nazi or white supremacist, um, you know, effort. And, and so, you know, that's pretty crazy right there. And the allegations have never been... Uh, have never been proven out, but one of the things that happened in filing the lawsuit is potentially those issues would get brought into the case, and the allegations that were made against the founders would be would be potentially tested in court. So that's a high-level view of what's going on. It was a lawsuit alleging trademark infringement, right? Cyber squatting for using the the BAYC dot com domain in the rr writer rips baycom domain and and did not include claims for defamation and did not include claims for copyright infringement very interesting so a trademark lawsuit in order to stop writer rips from speaking and the case was filed a while ago there's been a bunch of stuff that's happened in court and the issues have been narrowed and the matter is is now being considered on what's called summary judgment, which is uh, basically Yuga Labs has asked the court to rule that uh, they win as a matter of law. There's no need to go to a jury trial. So that's the broad strokes about the lawsuit. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to dig into any nuanced issues that you might want to talk about that you find interesting. Yes. Oh, I heard that uh, I read how the story began because uh, uh, Reader Rips launched a collection of uh, board apes. 
Yes. So what he did is he basically took the exact board ape images, labs used for his NFT project, and then put them back onto the blockchain as NFTs and sold them under a couple of different websites that were essentially saying, if you buy these NFTs, we're trolling Yuga Labs because we believe that they're racist. So he repurposed, he appropriated the actual Bored Ape images in order to make the point that they are, you know, Nazi trolls, right? That was what he was trying to do. The basic taking of the exact images and putting them back on the blockchain as his own is seems like you shouldn't be able to do that. But in the U.S., we have the First Amendment, which allows a broad way in order to express ideas. And the idea in this case is, hey, I want to bring attention to what I believe to be the real motivation of the Yuga Labs and BAYC um, NFT play. Now, interestingly, the judge in that case very early on ruled against Ryder Rips, essentially arguing that, or essentially concluding that he did not have a First Amendment protection, that his primary motivation was not to put out an idea or bring attention to the Nazi uh, allegations, but instead to monetize or commercialize someone else's trademark. So right out of the gate, the judge ruled against Ryder Rips on essentially what were his First Amendment which, you know, leads us to today where now Yuga is saying, okay, without those First Amendment defenses, we win as a matter of law. Um, Enrico, so I understand that the judge, the judge uh, considered that it's not a First Amendment protected form of artistic product. So that means uh, this artist is known as a polemist. And um, polemist, polemic is a kind of free speech, as we can consider it in the French Jews uh, uh, case law, but I understand that in the U.S. law, especially under the First Amendment, um, it is not. I mean, the the polemic uh, subject uh, is not considering as a free uh, speech and a free uh, creation. Yeah, it's well, so in the US, obviously, we have these incredibly broad First Amendment protections. And normally, you would have expected the judge, in this case, to say, it's not up to me, the judge, it's up to the jury to decide whether or not Ryder Rips was engaging in free speech. So that's the unusual part of this case. In the US, this case would normally go right to a jury on whether or not Ryder Rips was expressing his free speech. You're correct. In other countries, like this, these kinds of allegations might even be a crime. You know, in the U.S., it's almost the opposite. Um, my expectation is this case is going to go up on appeal, 
and the appellate court, the next level up, is going to have to decide some of these First Amendment issues. But Ryder Rips is known for doing this kind of thing, this kind of extreme, you know, antagonistic, disruptive uh, appropriation art in order to speak, in order to say something that he feels is important that he wants to say. And this case is gonna is gonna really tell us a lot about whether or not the First Amendment could apply to a very large NFT project when someone else, you know, uh, when 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 the person speaking wants to say something negative. So that's from a constitutional U.S. constitutional law standpoint, that's going to be interesting. But if we just put that aside for a minute. There are more interesting legal issues about NFT projects in general that are also going to be decided in this case. And so, for instance, the copyright issue, these yes. board apes are generative art, right? Yeah. So the board apes are generative art. So is there a, the ability in the U.S to have copyright in generative art. That issue is kind of a side issue that Yuga Labs is trying to avoid by not putting it directly into play, but could circle back and become an issue in the case. Yuga Labs did not sue for defamation, so they're not challenging the underlying claims that Ryder Rips is making about their alleged Nazi underpinnings, right? They're not you know, they're not challenging that. What they're simply saying is, we believe that you engage in trademark infringement by using our logo, using our brand name in order to market your product for profit. So they're, again, they're trying to avoid the copyright issue and they're trying to avoid the defamation issue. Very soon, someone in the U.S. is going to put in front of a judge the, the issue of whether or not generative art can be copyrighted. The U.S. Copyright Office essentially is saying, no, it doesn't matter if the person who's making some decisions to program the tool to create the generative art has some hand in it. It doesn't appear as though the U.S. Copyright Office is going to allow generative art to be copyrighted. So, so you know, if we just kind of get out of the First Amendment stuff for a minute and get into the NFT stuff, can generative art be subject to copyright is one big issue. The other big issue that just got raised in some pleadings that got in the Yuga Labs Rider Rips lawsuit involve the issue of whether or not an NFT can be trademarked. And that's an unusual issue that I don't think anyone really saw coming, but um, what happened is that Yuga Labs attorneys when they filed their motion for summary judgment saying we win as a matter of law, they kept speaking in terms of we have these trademarks in our NFTs, BAYC, Board Ape Yacht Club, Yuga Labs, Board Ape, right? All these trademarks, they said, were for NFTs. Well, the attorneys for Yuga didn't, may not have done well enough is distinguish the actual non-fungible token that's the code that goes on the blockchain smart contract from the media or the project 
which is the Board Ape images and the membership into the Board Ape Yacht Club. You could have trademarks in those things, but they really positioned it as having trademarks and NFTs. And in the U.S., you can't have a trademark in intangible property. Intangible property is not a product or service. So the defendants, Ryder Rips attorneys, make a very substantial push and argument that BAYC has no trademarks. And that is a very interesting issue. Um, and it gets to this point of, we, we need to get our language more precise. It's, it, is, it is interesting. So there's a couple things going on on the trademark front. One is that when Yuga Labs launched, they didn't do anything to protect their trademarks. They didn't, they didn't have anything in the terms of sale that protected their trademarks. They didn't, have any, they didn't even try and register their trademarks with the United States Trademark Office. They, they let people use their trademarks without trying to monitor that or enforce. So I don't think they expected they were going to become so successful. So then they tried to play catch up, right? So um, last, I think, September or so, they started to file trademarks with the USPTO in order to try and get those registered. But that takes a year to get registered. So they're not registered trademarks with the USPTO. Now, you don't have to be registered in order to have trademark rights. You can have common law trademark rights, even if you're not registered. But the fact that they haven't made it through the trademark registration process makes it more difficult for Yuga Labs to win their trademark infringement claims. And so that it's not, it doesn't mean they automatically lose, but it certainly makes it much more challenging for them to win. And the lesson there is for these NFT projects, before you mint, before you launch your project, you should have all of your intellectual property identified and protected. You should have your trademark registration applications already filed with the USPTO before you launch. Yuga Labs takes a big risk in this lawsuit because if the court decides that they don't have valid trademarks, they won't be able to protect themselves from Ryder Rips or anyone else in the future. The other big issue besides their failure to get registered is that they, um, they seemingly have allowed a lot of third parties to use their trademarks, BAYC, Board Apes, et cetera, without doing anything about it. And in the United States, if you don't protect your trademarks, you could waive your trademark rights. So what Ryder Rips lawyers are doing is they're leveraging all the fact that they're not registered trademarks. They're bringing into the, the filings with the USPTO, which those filings hurt Yuga Labs trademark claims because they admit certain things in the filings about the fact that they haven't used trademarks yet. And there's some things that they probably did not do correctly when they filed their trademarks in terms of identifying the goods or use of the word NFT, um, these types of things. So that trademark file is being used on offense by Ryder Rips legal team against Yuga Labs. 
But is there a possibility to use fair use for uh, any any um, use of the trademark? Yes, you, there is fair use, although the use in this case would be fair use if it was First Amendment protected. So this isn't, so for instance, fair use when a newspaper talks about Yuga Labs and they use the logo or they say the word Yuga Labs and they're reporting on it, that's fair use because they're not trying to pretend they're Yuga Labs, right? And so Ryder Rips is still putting a fair use defense in, but the fact that the judge has already ruled that his intent was to profit off of another's trademark rather than to make uh, uh, a point and exercise free speech, Ryrips is, is definitely uh, got some challenges with this judge. This judge has ruled against him on some things that would, and it's Judge Walter, has ruled against him on some things really make it difficult for Ryder to defend. He's still going to make those arguments, but seemingly Judge Walter has already ruled against him on the First Amendment issue, has already ruled against him on the his intent to profit as opposed to his intent to, to do art, right? And seemingly already concluded that the trademarks were valid. Ryder Rips' legal team is trying to reintroduce those legal issues back into the case and really is focused right now in its pleadings on trying to establish that Yuga Labs really doesn't have any trademark rights or that those are fact issues for the jury to decide, not for the judge to decide. So there is going to be another uh, another case. It's not an AP, uh, appeal. It's going to be um, presented um, before a jury. That's right. Correct. This case, well, right now, Yuga Labs is asking the court to rule that they win without a jury, that the, the, the facts are clear, the law is clear, Yuga Labs is arguing, we win, there's no need to put this to a jury. Ryder Rips' legal team is arguing, no, there are factual disputes about whether or not there's a trademark here, whether or not they waive their trademark rights, whether or not you can have a trademark in an NFT, fair use, all these things they believe are issues that in the U.S. have to be decided constitutionally by a jury, that the judge cannot, consistent with the Constitution, decide those himself. So that's the fight that's going on right now. Can the judge actually decide some of these issues, or does Ryder Rips get the right to take his case in front of a jury. Okay, I understand. But let me come back to Rita Rips. He's also a conceptual uh, artist and, of course, internet provocateur. But uh, as a conceptual artist, he launched uh, himself uh, generated NFTs. So um, the question about uh, is that uh, degenerated uh, um, NFTs be copyrighted is going to be uh, raised again? You would think so, but not in this case. And the and the, you would think that would be the primary issue, but not in this case. And the reason why not is because Yuga Labs did not want 
the court to consider the copyright issue. So they never alleged copyright infringement. So copyright infringement is not one of the claims that Yuga Labs made. And so the issue of whether or not they have copyright in the images is not part of this particular lawsuit. Instead, it's just the trademarks. They're just stewing for trademark infringement, trying to avoid the copyright issue. So the judge is limited to these claims. He cannot go far and consider the, the use of the, uh, the image of the board apes, and he cannot uh, have, a, um, I mean, uh, um, a decision that could involve the, 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 um, the uh, copyright infringement. So I understand. It's limited. That's correct. Okay. He cannot, the judge, in the way the case is put in, the judge will not and doesn't appear to be able to even comment on the copyright issue. I wouldn't be surprised if you, if um, Ryder Rip's lawyers try and, you know, bring it into the case, but it's going to be very difficult for them to do so because that's not what the lawsuit is all about. And the plaintiff gets to decide what the issues are. And the plaintiff has decided the only issue they're going to sue on is trademark infringement for use of BAYC, Board Ape Yacht Club, and, um, and quote-unquote Board Ape. Okay, so we are not going to have a decision about uh, our board apps are uh, generated as generated in NFT using AI uh, are going to be protected or not. This is not the case where we will have a clear answer at the moment. Correct. We won't get an answer to those issues in this case. Do you know other case or um, claims that we can uh, count up to have a, a, an answer? Uh, not in front of a court. I'm not aware of any. So the, 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 the Copyright Office has strongly suggested that generative art cannot be registered as copyright. And so um, very few projects are, um, are, are, are suing anyone or threatening anyone for use of their images. Um, however, you will see that I think in the next year, you'll see some cases that start to get some notoriety, some cases that are, you know, I'm just going to use the, uh, images from an NFT project, do what Ryder Rips do, did, except don't use the word board ape yacht club. Don't use the word BAYC. Don't use the word board ape, avoid the trademark issue and simply use someone else's images under the theory that there are no copyright rights in those images. But we haven't seen that find its way uh, into, the, into the court system that I'm aware of right now. And of course, whatever gets decided by the trial court is not going to be binding law. That case will have to go up on appeal, and a court of appeals will have to decide whether or not you can have copyright in generative art, that's going to take a couple years. So unfortunately, because things move so slowly, 
it may be a while before we get a definitive answer to that question. So I understand that uh, Ritterips is in a good position to win the case. Well, on the trademark issue, right, he is not in a good position because the judge has ruled against him on some key issues already. His primary defense to trademark infringement was that as an appropriation artist, as a provocateur, I'm entitled to use the trademarks of Yuga Labs in order to do my art, my, my provocative art, in order to exercise free speech. The judge ruled early in the case last fall, he said this, BAYC has not brought claims against defendants, Ryder Rips, for defamation, slander, or libel. Instead, plaintiff's claims are limited to and arise out of defendants' unauthorized use of the BAYC trademarks for commercial purposes. He then said that Rips NFTs did not put forward an idea or point of view, and that therefore free speech protections did not apply. Well, that was Ryder Rips' primary defense, and the judge took that away very early in the case. Now, Ryder Rips' attorneys, who will no doubt appeal that part of the decision, but now they're focused on the, trying to establish that Yuga Labs doesn't have any trademarks, mm. and therefore Yuga Labs can't, in fact, sue for trademark infringement. But... I think that's a challenging argument, and I'm not sure that, um, you know, that the, the court, based on what the court's already said, it appears the court does believe that Yuga has trademark rights in BAYC, Board Ape, and Board Ape Yacht Club. According to the common law, even if it's not registered. Correct. You do not have to register your trademarks in order to have trademark rights. In the U.S., the moment you start using a trademark for your business publicly, you have common law trademark rights. Registration gets you a bunch of benefits and presumptions and additional damage claims, but it's not required in order to have trademark rights. And even if the United States Trademark Office ruled that Yuga Labs could not register their trademarks, a court can always overrule the trademark office. So trademark office is not the final word. The courts are the final word as to whether or not someone has trademark rights and they don't have to be registered with the trademark office. That's most very interesting because in France, we need a registration and uh, also for uh, you, uh, you mark, and uh, sorry, you trademark, and uh, for national French trademark. And if uh, um, you don't have this registration, you cannot uh, claim about that. You cannot uh, have any claim about uh, uh, trademark. So that's going to be a very interesting point. Uh, from the comparative law, and maybe, do you think it could have an influence of, on the judge? This very different uh, law um, appreciation uh, around the world. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it is always a challenge for any project, which is always global, right, to deal with the fact that the, the U.S. oftentimes is the one that's different, right? So I think, you know, there are a lot of countries like France that require you to register your mark, right? Mm. Um, and the First Amendment is oh. American. Okay. So that doesn't end up being an issue in many other countries. So if you're an NFT project trying to design your project around what could happen in all these different jurisdictions is very challenging. And the amount of money that would be required to cover all of the bases across all of the countries is, is beyond most projects. So they're just trying to reduce their risk and, and do enough to be able to you know, protect their IP at a basic level and then go out, make some money, do their mint, generate some revenue. And then just like Yuga Labs did here, after they made their money, then they tried to go back and clean everything up. And it, it puts you at a disadvantage because they literally did nothing prior to mint, right? But, um, you know, they do have a lot of risk in this lawsuit because even no matter what this trial judge does, it's going to go up on appeal and the court of appeals is the one that's going to decide whether or not um, they do have trademark rights, whether or not there is a First Amendment defense here. So uh, I would expect that it's going to be still a year or more before we really know what an appellate court in the U.S. is going to say about some of these issues. So you think that uh, for uh, Lab, it's what, not a good idea to, um, to pursue um, reader rips? It was very, very risky for them to do this. And so far, the judge seems to be on their side. So, for instance, one of the other issues was, it is Ryder Rip's allegation that the founders are Nazi sympathizers? That's what Ryder Rips is trying to say. We don't know if it's true or false. But... This is not a case where that issue is going to be decided. Ryder Rips can't ask for any information about the founders or their beliefs. The judge took all of those issues out of the case very early and told Ryder Rips' team they could not ask questions about those issues. So that was a big, big win for Yuga Labs because if, in fact, Ryder Rips was able to get discovery and potentially prove that there was, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, then um, then that would have been a very, very risky thing for, for Yuga Labs. Um, so they, they seem to have gotten the right judge and they seem to be doing okay so far but you never know what's going to happen next. And so there's always going to be risk out there for Yuga as it continues to pursue this. And it will be interesting to see if at some point they try and settle with Ryder Rips in exchange for a gag order where Ryder Rips agrees to take down all his content and, and agrees not to say anything in the future. So last question about this uh, trial. Do you think that uh, the, the communities behind Reader rips or behind uh, the board rips uh, 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 could influence the judge and the court. 
You know, it's hard to read exactly what the, the judge is thinking, but I would say based on what I've seen, this judge believes that um, Yuga Labs should win and Ryder Rips should lose. And again, I could be wrong about that. It could be that the judge just wants to see this case go up on appeal and is trying to make decisions that best position the case so that the Court of Appeals can decide some very important issues. But regardless, this is definitely going the way of Yuga Labs, and the judge has shut down Ryder Rips in some really important ways that, that make it very hard for Ryder Rips to defend. So you think the communities behind those two parties, Ryder Rips, are not going to um, influence in any way the court and, or any judge? Well, I think that the community behind Ryder Rips just believes what they believe, and there's no going to be changing that. The community that believes that Yuga Labs has been wronged and that Ryder Rips, you know, uh, is making up these allegations for his own publicity, right? They're going to always believe in Yuga Labs, right? So, um, you know, I think that, you know, ultimately what would happen here if Yuga Labs wins is that there's going to be damages awarded against Ryder Rips, money damages. Maybe some of the stuff he's got posted online is going to have to come down. But, um, you know, again, that would probably all be after appeal. But um, do you think these damages can be very important? Because in the Hermes versus um, uh, Messen Richard, they were very low. Well, it would be interesting to see what the damages were. And, um, it, it, you know, right now that the fact that they don't have registered trademarks makes it much more difficult for them to get significant damages. Um, they've not been able to show that anyone was actually confused that they thought they were buying a real board ape when really they were at Ryder Rips website. Ryder Rips websites were pretty clear that this was not Yuga Labs, that if you buy one of these board apes, you're doing it because you are protesting against board ape Yacht right? So if there's no real customer confusion and no one bought one of Ryder's NFTs as a result of being confused, the real damage number would be whatever it is that Ryder Rips was able to sell. And I think I saw something like $1.5 million worth of NFTs sold, something like that. So that might make the maximum damages something like $1.5 million. And, um, you know, that's, that's a big number, but it's not going to, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to make a difference for Yuga Labs, who has a lot more money than that. So could, could we say that it's a, an element of good faith uh, for Reader Rips? Uh, it could be. It could be. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's interesting because in France, we don't consider any good faith when there is an infringement. This is completely not true. So that's a very, very important point. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for all this very interesting um, issues you speak about, because we see that in France or in Europe, uh, there is a, a completely different approach. Mm -hmm. 
And maybe we're going to speak about the second trial, which is also very important. Unless uh, John have uh, some questions? No, for me. John? Yeah, for me, it's pretty clear. Um, it's pretty clear. And actually, at the end of the day, I understand the judge also, uh, you know, who wants to, uh, yeah, to have a, fa a good decision, you know, for BAYC uh, versus Ryder Rips. At the end of the day, you know, you have the law, but you have also common sense. And, you know, uh, you know, even if they are not, uh, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but even if you have not uh, a, an official brand, it's a brand by default, and the brand exists, and you can recognize it. And uh, also, at the end of the day, you know, the character of Ryder Reeves, you know, it's also, you know, there are a lot of ways to troll uh, another company uh, and there are other way, you know, to, to make fun or to criticize. But at the moment you start to criticize and making money on the back on someone else, <laughs> then, you know, at the common sense, you know, this is how the community feel it also, I believe. I'm not a pro ape or whatever, but you know, you know that it's just extremely new way to uh, manipulate people and make money on their back. And so, uh, of course, you know, I'm not talking with legal argument, <laughs> but at the end of the day, this is the feeling also I have about this story. Okay, thanks. And about fraud, precisely, we are going to uh, speak about the class action. It's, um, what's about now, the, this class, uh, the class action? that contends that Yuga Labs um, and its shareholders and founders are engaged with uh, more than 40 celebrities uh, in, um, in a fraud uh, to defraud and mislead investors that was very disappointed in purchasing board apes and apecorn. So what can you say about this uh, case? Action. So this is interesting because we saw with crypto and NFTs so many people promoting these NFTs and crypto projects without disclosing that they had a financial interest in trying to do a pump and dump, right? Pump up the price and then cash out and then watch the, the price crash. And so you know, we, we all heard all about the pump and dump schemes in NFTs and, and in, in crypto. This is a case brought against Yuga Labs, essentially alleging that Yuga Labs and others engaged in a pump and dump in order to try and, and drive the price up um, and, and to use celebrities to do the endorsements without disclosing to people that they were getting paid by Yuga Labs for those endorsements. So in the United States, there is a Federal Trade Commission rule all about endorsements. And it essentially says it is part 255 of the FTC regulations. So part 255 says if it's not otherwise obvious that you're like, if it's a commercial on TV, you know it's a commercial. You don't have to think, oh, I wonder if 
you know, if this is a paid endorsement. But if it's not obvious that you're being paid in order to say something good about a product or service, you have to specifically tell people that you are getting paid or that you have some other benefit that you're receiving from the, from the brand in exchange for saying something good about the brand. And we saw a lot of people saying a lot of good things about different projects in crypto and NFTs, but very few of them disclosing whether or not they were getting paid. This class action against Yuga Labs alleges that Yuga and some other folks essentially concealed the fact that they were paying these celebrities to make it feel as though the celebrities were giving an honest endorsement of the product when in fact the celebrities were being paid for those endorsements. And that's a violation of FTC Part 255, but it's also potentially unfair competition and, and a variety of other causes of action which have been alleged in this case. So the thing that's interesting to me about this case is that it's the first of many where class actions are going to be brought not only against the project, but against the people who were pitching the project, endorsing the project, who were getting some sort of financial benefit, free NFTs, crypto, could be any sort of benefit. Uh, and if they don't disclose those benefits, they're going to get sued right along with Yuga Labs. Now, this case has not gone very far, so we don't know what exactly how it's going to play out. But the first thing I expect Yuga Labs is going to do is file a motion to dismiss because everyone that bought a, uh, a Yuga Labs NFT, I, I'm pretty sure there was a class action waiver in the purchase agreement, which said you can't bring a class action. If there wasn't, then that's just another illustration of how Yuga Labs just screwed up right out of the gate, right? Um, but I expect there's going to be a motion to dismiss, but that won't affect the claims made against the celebrities who didn't have any contract with the purchasers. So we're going to see a lot more of these lawsuits, a lot more of these class actions brought against projects for pump and dump and against celebrities who endorsed those projects without disclosing that they were being compensated. But do you think these celebrities were uh, themselves aware of what they're doing? Well, they have some, they have many consuls or lawyers around them. And do you think they were aware or liable in a way? Well, I think that the answer is likely going to be yes, they are going to have some significant risk of, of, of liability because in the U.S., if you violate a law, it makes it very hard to defend. So one of the defenses might be, well, I didn't know that I had to disclose under Part 255. Well, that's not a defense. And so if Madonna and Jimmy Fallon and Kevin Hart, Serena Williams, and some of these other folks did not include in their endorsement a, a disclaimer that they were getting paid, it's very possible that they would have violated Part 255. And now a court could say, you engaged in unfair trade as a matter of law, like you lose, like you are, I'm ruling that you did violate the law 
And now there's going to be some other issues on causation and some of these other things, but it's going to be very hard for the celebrities to defend if they didn't comply with Part 255. Okay. Well, and testing for the celebrities to uh, take more advice about uh, what they are doing now with crypto. Yeah, it's, it, you know, we've been preaching for, for a while that, you know, we need to get some structure around the NFT market. Um, we got to, you know, we got to put some, some, some best practices in place for NFT projects and endorsers of NFT projects, same with crypto. And it always takes a while for the legal to catch up with the market. And what we're seeing now is, yes, there's regulations out there, but in the U.S., the reason why projects change is often because they're afraid to get sued. And so we're starting to see these lawsuits get filed. You know, FTX is another example where you had all these influencers and celebrities mm. pitching FT FTX without disclosing that they were getting paid, in some cases, millions or tens of millions of dollars. Wow. That is a big problem for those celebrity endorsers. Now, you might not be a celebrity. You just might have a big following on Twitter. The same rules apply. If you have a big following on Twitter and you're trying to get people to buy a specific token, and you don't disclose that you're invested in that token and that you're going to benefit the price goes up, you are violating Part 255. And we saw that going on all over the place. Very few people were complying with Part 255. So, you know, it doesn't have to be a celebrity. It's anyone who makes an endorsement disclose what's called a material connection, which is basically some benefit. Right. If they sent you a free product to try, if they sent you a, if they airdropped a free NFT to you before you could go online and encourage people to buy that NFT, you have to disclose, hey, they gave me one for free so that users know they're getting a benefit or they're getting paid and that the endorsement not really be as genuine as it would otherwise appear. Okay, so we have also in French a new law about influences, and this is um, it's going to, to the same direction. And my last question is about the class action. We often see in the U.S. that the class action uh, is ending with settlement between uh, you between the parties. Do we do you think we can have a settlement between Yuga Labs and the plaintiffs? So I think again, we don't really know the facts. We know what's been alleged, but we don't know anything about what the, the defendants are going to say to defend the claims. But if we just take a look at the allegations, which are pretty dramatic, because what they say is that Yuga Labs executives actually conspired with this Hollywood talent manager, Gary Ossery. And Gary Ossery represented all these celebrities like, I don't know, Madonna and Jimmy Fallon. Uh -huh. And so that they, they set out to say, hey, look at, let's pay these, let's give these celebrities board apes or let's pay them in some way. They probably got free apes, which are worth 
hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Mm. And then get them to pitch the board apes to sell to other people. If there's any sort of documents that Yuga Labs worked with this guy and the celebrities to try and get the endorsement of the celebrities without disclosing they were being paid, then all the defendants have a very big problem. And then it might make some sense for, for these defendants to try and settle. The, the, when you look at it, you always have to look at the liability, but then you look at the damages side. So these celebrities who bought board apes when the market was going well and may have paid several hundred thousand dollars, their damages are the difference between the price today and what they paid. So right now the market's down, but these class actions take a long time. What if the market comes back and at the end of the day their board apes are worth more than they were when they purchased them? What damages do they have at that point, right? So Yuga and the defendants will have some decisions to make about what they want to do in terms of timing. Do they want to drag this out and see what happens with the market? If you know, if Yuga Labs gets hit by the SEC and the SEC says that Bored Apes were really securities, that could cause the market to go down even further. Now the damages go up. So, um, you know, I think that Yuga Labs and Gary Ossery and some of these other people know what messages and emails and text messages were sent back and forth, what meetings occurred. And if there were meetings, if there were emails, that's all going to come out. And if I were them in that instance, uh, I would probably want to try and make it go away very quickly before that evidence came to light. So I understand that maybe it could turn to a, a, a principal case, a case of principle. I mean, a, 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 some very, uh, yeah, what we call the principal uh, Mothers. I mean, uh, not only money, but principal uh, yeah. rules. Yes. So the idea that um, that that the case is going to go forward because the plaintiffs are going to refuse to settle because they're going to operate on a matter of principle that this was wrong. It needs to be exposed. They need to be held accountable. That happens, but not too often in, in a class action context because um, the lawyers, um, you know, they don't get to decide yes or no on settlement in most cases, but they have more say in class actions. And if Yuga Labs comes in and wants to, to pay a substantial sum of money and the lawyers are going to take a piece of that, it's very hard for the plaintiffs to keep the case going on principle. And so... Um, that, you know, in an individual lawsuit, I certainly represent a lot of people who are like, I don't care, I'm going to fight to the death. I, I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do, and I'll take it all the way to the end. In a class action, it's harder to maintain that momentum unless the lawyers are operating on principle, which doesn't happen very often, fortunately or unfortunately. Mm. So the class action, I understand, is a purely civil uh, litigation. It's not a criminal uh, litigation, even if it's if it's uh, related to fraud. Well, it's 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 only a civil matter. It's only about damages. It's not a criminal 
action. It's just civil. Now, the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, I think is looking at a variety of NFT projects, including potentially Yuga Labs, right? And so that would be a civil and could become a, a you know, a, a administrative and could actually become some sort of criminal matter. And we see the, you know, we see the SEC going after some of these projects right now. That that would take things potentially into a criminal context. There is, you know, in the in the FTX matter, there are criminal claims being brought against those folks for fraud, in addition to what are claims that are exactly like the Yuga Labs claims, where consumers are saying they were defrauded by FTX and the influencers and the celebrities, they were defrauded into buying into FTX. So, um, but but the, the the facts in FTX are so dramatic in that you know that it, it actually gets to that point where you think, wow, was this a calculated effort to defraud people criminally, right? That that's a very high bar, and I don't think the Yuga Labs has got a whole lot of exposure there. I don't think it would be a criminal. Matter. I think it would be a civil matter based on what the, the allegations and the complaint are. Okay, great. But who knows the future? <laughs> we don't. Uh, we don't have any idea of the, the the situation it could be later. Enrico, thank you so much. We are ending now uh, this Twitter space. Unless uh, John, do you have uh, some question more? John. Oh, he must have left the room. And um, thank you, Enrico, for this very, very precious information for all the community, the French community. And I'm sure we will have a, a, a replay, very important uh, um, people that are going to hear about this uh, replay because this is most interesting for us to follow. Uh, all the litigation, all the the, the, the lawsuits um, in uh, in the U.S. because I, I I'm thinking about the next lawsuits that could come in Europe, especially in France, and um, I think it's going to be soon. Maybe not this year, but um, maybe in two years. But I'm sure there will be one in the French territory or the EU, uh, EU territory. Great. Looking forward to uh, continuing the conversation in the future. Thank you. Let's keep in touch. Thank you so much. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Happy. Good morning. We'll be happy. Good morning. We'll be with you. We'll be with you. We'll be with you. We'll be happy. We'll be with you. Bye. 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 B